Uh, if you don't know who I am, my name is Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, thank you for coming. It is a beautiful day, like AJ mentioned. UT won, um, which some people are UT fans. Anybody? Uh, I'm a UK fan, so um, UK won, so go England. Um, <laughs> oh, what's happening? Um, hey, uh, real quick, you may be thinking this is two weeks in a row. What's happened? Um, they just let me on. They've let me loose. I'll be honest. They've let. They're just like run with it. Um, actually, the kids are downstairs. They are having fun. You might have heard them scream a minute ago. That was out of joy, not terror. Um, but next week, I'll be back down there and uh, having a good time with them. Uh, to kind of go over this real quick, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping on the front end instead of on the back end. This is a connect card, so there should be one around you. If it's your first time here. Please fill one out. You can do it at some point. Just be like, I'm going to ignore what he's going to say for a little while. Totally fine. I get it. Um, but go on and fill this out. We have a gift for you out front. But really why I'm mentioning this card is specifically this reason. You may have come in here today with no relationship with Jesus. And right now you may be thinking, I don't really look forward to having one anyways. Just hold that thought. Um, because let's say throughout this message or, or, or just throughout any time here today that you just have questions. Or maybe you feel like you'd just like to know more about it. I would encourage you to fill this out for this reason. If you're not in a life group or if you're not volunteering here, I would urge you to be in one of those two. I would personally, I'd like to say both, but, you know, a little leeway here. But if you want to be in a life group or a volunteer here in some capacity, we always need volunteers. And we want you to be in a life group because, personally, I believe that it actually matters. I believe that having a life group surrounded around you while you walk through this life as a Christian, I think it's vital for us to actually experience the depth of joy that God has intended us to have because God gave us one of the most amazing gifts, each other. Um, so I would encourage you to fill this out and to jump into a life group, a volunteer group, get involved. Okay, so you can do that. Like I said, there'll be parts where I probably check out. Totally okay. So just set aside and start filling it out when it's like this guy is rambling. Go ahead and then put it in so we can follow up and help you get engaged and, and plugged in, okay? Other than that, um, I'm going to pray. So I'm going to ask you a couple of things while I pray. I'm going to ask you to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. And uh, let's just see what it is that God has in store for us today, okay? Let's pray.
So there was this stressed out lady, and um, she was on, uh, she was driving down a busy street tailgating a dude, okay? So this lady, she was behind this guy, and this guy was coming, approaching at an intersection when the light turns yellow. So this guy driving in front of the lady that's going a little crazy, she, or he actually, he slams on the brakes, stops just short of the crosswalk, just like he should, right? But it means that he doesn't make it through the intersection, and then hence she doesn't make it through the intersection. The woman uh, was pretty fired up. She was furious. She was cussing at the guy, flipping him off, honking her horn, screaming, yelling, all of this while her phone and her makeup fly out of her lap into the car, because, uh, you know, that's how we do it. Uh, not me. Well, I make up. Um, but if I did, it would be while I drive. Um, <laughs> just saying. Yeah. It's already gone off the rails. What's happened? All right, so this lady at this intersection, she drops everything. She's cussing at this dude, and about midway through her rant, she hears this noise. A tapping on her window. As she looks up, she sees this very serious police officer who very calmly says, Ma'am, I need you to get out of the car. And uh, she gets out of the car. And at that moment, he says, Put your hands up. And he books her. He takes her to the police station. She is arrested. Okay? So she gets to the police station. She's searched, fingerprinted. She's booked. She's taken back to the cell and um, just basically stays there for a few hours. But after a couple of hours, the police, they send another person, another police officer to the cell. He goes and he opens the door. She was escorted back to the booking desk. And uh, there's the officer that arrested her with all of her things. And this police officer says, ma'am, I'm very sorry. And I'm very sorry for my mistake. You see, I pulled up behind you and you were blowing your horn. You were flipping off the guy in front of you. You were cussing a blue streak at him. And I noticed the What Would Jesus Do bumper sticker. The Choose Life license plate holder. The Follow Me to Sunday School bumper sticker. And the chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. So naturally, I assumed you had stolen the car. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> I like this story. Now, here's the I would ask is, would someone see your bumper sticker, your t-shirt, your coffee cup? Would they see these things in your lives? And then would they see your life beside it? And would they ask if you had stolen them? The simplest question, the way I can ask it is, is simply this. Do we reflect the gospel? Do we reflect the gospel? And your life has your life been so transformed that your existence your purpose everything about who you are your reality it reflects the the servant king Jesus is this who you are when people see you is there any doubt that you are a follower not because you just tell people about Jesus, but because your life is lived out in a way that people can't deny who you serve. Do you reflect the gospel? You see, here's where it comes in. Simply put, to kind of go with our, our, our series, love serves. Love serves. 
love in action, serving other people. And we're going to see a story here. And, and our prayer is that we go on this journey together, that we get what's happening here, and it comes so deeply into our lives that we would leave this place differently. My prayer is that, and, I, and I'll be honest, I told some people this last week, and I do believe this. Um, I believe we are called to be an impact, a, a people of impact in Oak Ridge. I believe this city is how it is today, but I believe that if we are faithful and obedient and generous in the way that we love and follow our Jesus to other people, I think we can actually change the tide of this city. I believe that we can change our families. I believe that we can change our friends. I believe we can change our workplaces. I believe this city could be different if we just lived it faithfully. And I believe that our failure to do so will be, will result in just a further separation from what God has planned for this place. But I believe God has a plan for us. And I believe God will use us, but it's up to us to be faithful. I really believe that. I believe Our country can be transformed, but God's people have to speak up. God's people have to act up. God's people have to act like that. And I'm chapter six. I'm going to be here the whole time. Get a break. I'm not going to go crazy. We're just going to stay in this one section. Verse 36 through 50. Up on the screen. Um, it's also in your chart. Chapter 7, 36 through 50. Right on in, okay? You ready? No one. All right. It's Q&A. Oh, it's up? Okay, yeah, we're good. You're good. You're there. All right. Luke, chapter 7, 36 through 50. It says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner... When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, she was weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now, when the Pharisees who had, inv had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, saying to Simon, saying to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he said, Say it, teacher. Now, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven of little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this 
who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, here's where we're going to go. We're going to focus on the woman in this story. Because I think there's something amazing that interacts with Jesus. Everything about this woman's story in this moment, it paints an amazing picture of love and action for us. So we're going to focus on her. So let's involved, right? Like, who are the players? So here are your players involved. You have Jesus, right? You have the Pharisees and his family, friends, his household, the people that were in Pharise- the Pharisee Simon's house. And you have this woman of the city. This woman of the city. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to go ahead and just break down what it means to be a woman of the city. She was a prostitute. This was a woman on her own. Culture would have excluded her, would have just looked at her with disgrace. They would have judged her. She would have been condemned. She would have been an outcast by the world. This woman of the city, this prostitute. These are your main players, okay? Now, Love serves is what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how does love serve? What does love serving look like? How does this hit us? How does this apply to our lives? Well, the first thing I would say is let's look at what love and service, some conditions that it has on it. Okay, so some parameters in which love serves played out. It is humble and bold. It serves humbly and boldly. It also serves gratefully and generously. Now, if you see these two phrases, the thing that, we, that, that I notice whenever I think about these two sets of phrases are humble and bold. They almost seem like opposite words, don't they? I mean, really, do you think typically of someone that's very humble as also being someone that's very bold? You typically think meek, meager, quiet, reserved, or something like that. And then you think bold, you think arrogant, right? But I want you to, I want you to see how these, these two phrases are actually complementary. And the same goes with gratefully and generously. Right? These two are also somewhat, there's a little bit of tension in the phrase, but here's how we resolve this. Okay, the way this is resolved is I want to talk about this. In our humility of who we are, in light of who God God's mighty love and grace at work for you who don't deserve it. Who I, I don't deserve it. Like, in my relation to who God is and who I am, I have no other posture but to be broken by my own sin, to be ashamed of what my story tells, to think of my past, and I can think of all the ways in which that I should be excluded from the love of God, yet he has chosen to love me. Maybe you have a similar story. I don't know. But what I do know is, is in this sense of humility before the maker, before the servant king, before the God of all is, right, this sense of humility, it leads us to also be bold because of his goodness. Like, when you know how undeserving you and I are of love, yet we receive it because of His grace, it's hard not to scream about how good He is to us. Like, I will be bold because of how humble I am. I'm humble because of the love He has for me, and I don't deserve it, yet I'm bold to share and boast about this King. Humble and bold. Grateful and generous. Now, I want you to think about this. Um, You go to a restaurant, right? You sit down at the table. Like they bring you extra gravy for your potatoes. 
Um, you have like a large steak right here in front of you. The service is exceptional. Like, you're very appreciative of the way that the waiter or the waitress has served you in this moment. What do you do? Do you tip well? Right? Because when we're grateful for things, we tend to want to be generous in reciprocation, right? We want to give back in a way that's absolutely generous, right? You go to Starbucks. Someone, you know, you order coffee. You're going up. You get your coffee, and they're like, I'm like, here, I need to pay you. Here's my debit card. And they're like, no, no, no. The person in front of you paid it forward. They actually paid for your bill. What do you do? All right, pay for the next one, right? Be a, pay. I like it. All right. So, yeah, you, pay, you continue to, to see how gratitude fuels generosity. Now, one of the negatives, and, I, and I'm just going to give you the same spiel I told the first group, because this is not sermon right here. This is just extra. If um, you go to a restaurant today um, and someone waits on you, even if it's terrible service, tip. Tip well. Right? And here's why. Um, anybody here ever been a waiter or a waitress? What are Sundays like? Right? Why? Church folk, right? Right? Now, let me ask you this. Who should be the most generous people on earth when it comes down to someone serving them? Church folk. Yeah, John Miller. Um, no, I mean, in all honesty, right? Church folk. But we're known. I used to work in a restaurant. Hated Sundays because it meant I was not going to get paid. Well, I mean, I was going to get paid just the minimum or whatever the, the salary was back then. What I knew was those church folk were going to come in and be rude entitled and not tip so this isn't related to the sermon this is just me saying tip tip well be a blessing wouldn't you rather be known as the church people and then what that actually meant to a sunday at a restaurant the most graciously generous people even when i screwed their lunch up 17 times they still looked after me because the reality is you don't know that person's story they may be there after working a double because they're trying to provide finances to pay for their child that's over at children's which they're actually not able to go to because they're having to be there to work to serve you to serve me it's, it's a common story we have an opportunity here to reflect the gospel in the way that we give it, it has nothing to do with the sermon but you're welcome okay so <laughs> just want to point that out all right so humble bold humbly and boldly gratefully and generous this is the love that should actually be very common to who we are as christians okay this is who we should be now, Christian love on its own, Christian love is humble, it is bold, it is grateful, and it is generous. Like, this should be a descriptive statement about what Christians look like, what you look like. If you, if you claim to know Christ, listen, this should be who you are. This should not be who I am on Sunday morning. You meet me on a Wednesday, hopefully you'll realize that I'm the same guy on a Wednesday and a Sunday. It leads to some sketchy statements that I make on a Sunday. However, you're going to get who you get. This is what I hope my life looks like. Humble, bold, grateful, generous. And some of us understand this, honestly. I mean, like, some of us, we volunteer here, don't we? And we do it well. We, we, we volunteer away from here, don't we? Now, when we volunteer, what, what I hope and pray is very evident in your life and in my life is that when we serve other people, it's not because we have to, but we get to. And there's a difference. There's a difference because when we get to, we realize that this is an opportunity to love someone else in the way that I serve them, from the way that I run the sound or the lights, from the way that I actually 
greet people at the doors, from the way that we make coffee, from the way that we take up offering, from the way that we sing, from the way that we preach, from the way that we have people dealing with our kids, right? And some of our kids really is, it's dealing with them right now, right? I'm just, I mean, let's just be real. Let's call it what it is. They don't look at it like they're dealing with our kids. We look at it like an opportunity to love your child because your child deserves every ounce of love within my heart. I'm excited to get down there next week. I miss them. I don't miss the germs. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's the one part that I'm not really a fan of. But other than that, like, I miss this because this is an opportunity to love a child. And I want to take it. I want to take it. Now, for one, if you volunteer, thank you. Thank you for serving. Like, it's a blessing to me. If you don't see lives that you impact on a weekly basis, let me tell you of one in particular. Mine. The volunteers here are so amazing. It impacts me every single week as I see people giving up time, coming early, serving alongside each other, impacting people. Like, our volunteer, wherever it may be, is as vital to the gospel communication as this. I told this story before, and I think I've, sh- I've shared it in here on a Sunday before, but the reality is one of the most meaningful moments in my life here at Ridge Church has been when Rusty Sampson met me at the car with an umbrella in the rain so I could help unload my kids. One of the most meaningful moments to my walking faith at this church is not from a sermon. It's from an umbrella. The guy holding the umbrella. Because he shared the gospel then. And we do that every time we open the door, every time we make a cup of coffee, every time we give out a Ridge Central gift, every time we're with a kid, we're being the gospel. So thank you for impacting me. So Jesus in this moment, listen to this, Jesus in this moment, he told a story. All right? Now, Simon, if you'll notice, Simon did not serve Jesus in this, okay? Culturally in that day, what would have happened is you go into someone's home as a guest, then they would have washed your feet. They would have done all these things that Jesus essentially called Simon out for. Like, you, bro, you didn't do any of this stuff. Like, come on. That's like someone coming, like you coming over to somebody's house or someone coming to your house and you don't offer them sweet tea. You're not in Tennessee, right? Like, you automatically offer somebody a drink. You'd like some water. You want a snack. This is just common. Simon actually left all of this out, all right? Now, check this out. She let, he left all this stuff, yet this woman... What was her name? Does anybody know? We don't know. We actually don't know. Just an unknown prostitute. An unknown prostitute. Don't know her name yet. Listen to this, what we do know about her. She came, washed his feet with her tears. She kissed them. She dried them with her hair. She anointed him with oil. This unknown prostitute didn't stop at the minimum, but she went above and beyond just to serve Jesus, to show her love for him. Something, something really powerful about the fact that we don't know her name, ain't it? Have you ever felt like a nobody? Like people don't know your name? Or your name's not worth knowing? She's in the Bible. We're talking about her 2,000 years later because she matters. And you matter. You matter. Even if we feel like it every day. You matter. You matter to God and you matter to us. This is the gospel. 
the good news is that you have value even when you feel empty or worthless. That is what's amazing about God. He sees what the world would say is unworthy, and he says, no, that's mine. There is no, no price tag. In fact, the only thing that I will pay for it with will be my life, my son. I like this fact that her name's not mentioned because there are days when I feel like a nobody. Yet to God, I'm somebody. And that means something to me. Now, why did she do this? Why did she go above and beyond? Why did she not stop at the minimum? She could have gotten the water, washed her feet, said, see ya, I'm out. Instead, she did it with a very personal and intimate way. Why? Because she loved him. Because she loved him. So here's the question. Do you and I, do we, do we look more like Simon or do we look more like this woman? Does the way that we live our love poured out in service or lack of, does it look more like Simon or this woman? I'm afraid that if I'm honest with myself, a lot more days uh, I look like like Simon than I do the woman. And maybe you feel the same way. I don't know. In Luke chapter 7, 42 through 43, it says, When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Not uh, Now which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Now, sometimes we fail to recognize the size of our debt and what it is that Jesus actually came and has, has done for us. But if we understood this, if we actually understood this, listen, we would live for his glory and we would make much of his name. We would serve other people because how could we not? How could we not live lives devoted to loving other people and serving other people the way that God has first loved us? Can't even imagine it. And this isn't... This isn't necessarily I have something in my notes about, but I just want to share this because Simon comes back with this answer. But did you catch the question he asked earlier in verse uh, 39, I think? Um, yeah, 39. Um, the Pharisee saw who it was. Da, 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 da. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet, I can just imagine like the way he does. I like to have cartoon images in my head of the Bible. I, I know it's fitting I work downstairs, but I can just imagine like Simon over there like, well, if he just knew... Right? That's the way he's going. That's my imitation of Simon. Um, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. This question has wrecked me all week. If he would have known who this woman was, or what sort of woman this was, if Simon had only asked the question that was actually more meaningful, who am I? And what am I? Like, I had the sermon ready, and then I kept reading through, and I kept reading through, and this question just, it absolutely wrecked me. Like, I have to ask myself this question, like, if I only knew what kind of person I really am. What kind of person are you? Really? Like, boil it down. Who are you? Because it's in this question we can find the freedom to the definition that God gives us. Because if I define it in reality of who I am, I am a sinner. I am broken, I am unworthy, I have flaws, I am not perfect. And it's in that recognition of that truth that God then speaks into it and says, yes, but I want you and I love you. Here I am. Simon, though, instead was like, Who, look at her. 
His was to point out, but we need to point in first. Anyways. You see, when we start to see, when we start to feel, when we start to understand and recognize the size of our debt and the depth of his love that it took and that he's given to us, you know what it, it causes us to do and inspires us to do? One word is worship. Worship. Now, service, we talk about the way we give and the way that we do and the way that we sing. These are acts of worship, but service is worship applied. You see, we should be and want to be servants of all people. If we had that reality, though, we wouldn't have volunteer shortages here. We wouldn't see people on the street that are in need or that are hurting and us with the capability to actually make a difference in this person's life, walking right by as if we can't see them. Like these wouldn't be issues, but they are. And I think the deeper reality when we think about services, worship applied, yeah, so is lack thereof. Because your life will reflect what you worship, and it will be played out for all to see. Most commonly in America, I think our biggest thing that we worship is ourself, our self-pursuit, right? The things that we want to do, the things that we like to do. I'm going to tell you what, I'm not going to drop that so that I can do this. Our worship displays what we love. And service is worship applied. What are you serving? Who are you serving? How are you serving? If the answer is... I don't know, or, or none, or, I mean, I really serve myself most of the day. At least you're honest. I mean, I do too most days, if I'm honest. I fail here more than I get it right. But if service is worship applied, then I need to look at my life and see what the actions tell me. And the actions will tell you what it is or who it is that you worship. We would see people around us as opportunities. Not opportunities to take advantage of, but opportunities to actually live the gospel out. We would see people around us, and we would see people to serve. We would be a church that God could use to shift the course of history. Listen, God has done this in the past. He used some regular uh, folks, uneducated, probably very unrefined, if that can be complimentary. I'm just saying, like, he used these 12 dudes and guess what we're talking about 2,000 years later? Twelve dudes. In fact, we're not even just talking about twelve dudes. Like We're talking about an unknown prostitute 2,000 years later because her life, she lived it to serve. They made a difference, and all they did was serve. They loved God, and it impacted their lives, and it impacted others because of it. And they did it in a world that absolutely hated them. Look at what Simon said about her. Think about this. His first remark wasn't, you know, normally she's dirty. She looks good today. Like, that wasn't the comment. It was like, God, her. The world hates us. It hated them, and it will hate us. When we are faithful, when we are out doing this, like, the world may be against us, but God will always be faithful. And you know what makes a difference? It's like, even though this world was, was 
antagonistic against the apostles in this time. They actually still loved each other and they served each other. And then they saw people in different places where they were going and they would eventually be stoned or they would be crucified. They would be boiled alive. Like, like they were going to a place that hated them, yet they went to serve those people, knowing that they may be rejected. Ultimately, they were. Yet, 2,000 years later, we see what impact love has. Listen to this. People may argue with your answers, but they will not argue with a life lived out in loving service. We can stand and preach all day long, but what matters more is what we do with our lives. Because people can argue with what I said here all day long till I'm blue in the face, they're blue in the face, but the reality is, is they see us loving, they see us serving, they see us impacting the world for the gospel. They will not argue with that. It is undeniable God's hand at work through his people. People may argue with your answers, but they will not argue with a life lived out in loving service. Listen to this. Simon had answers, right? Like, Jesus asked him a question, who had the answer? Simon. Simon had answers. He had knowledge. He was a Pharisee, which meant he, he knew the Bible. Yet, the one we're talking about was a prostitute. She didn't answer any single question. We don't even know if she spoke a word. She just took action. Your lives will make a difference if we will live them out in action. My life will make a difference. We talk about a prostitute from 2,000 years ago because love served. That is why we're talking about her. Because she adored this Jesus. She honored this Jesus. She loved this Jesus. And it led to action. What about you? Does your love for him lead to action? Has it led to action? Listen, it's not only a gift of God, but it is our responsibility to take action here. It is not just who we should be. It is who we are called to be. In chapter 7, verse 49 through 50, it says, Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How can Jesus even make this statement? Simply put, it's because he is the one that was sinned against and only he can forgive. You see, sin is sin. And we try to judge sin and, and we try to measure sin by, typically by looking around and seeing who's worse off than us. Don't we? I mean, normally we look around and we're like, well, at least I'm not that guy. Right? At least I'm not her. At least I'm not this. At least I'm not that. But the real reality is this, is that sin is not quantifiable. You cannot measure sin in this context. The only way to measure sin is to measure who it was against. Which means this simply. Even the most minor sin that you can think of, the most minor sin that you can think of is infinitely an attack and assault against God and his character. Which means murder to the little white lie equals distance and separation and judgment from God Almighty. You can look around all day long. You're just using the wrong measuring tape. The only one that's accurate is looking up at him and realizing how far we are apart. What that leads us to is a recognition of how much he's overstepped and stepped into the bounds of love so that you and I could be redeemed. 
And this will lead us to worship and serve. God sent his son so that we could be free. He was a servant king that came to serve us. He came to love us. He came to redeem us. Now listen to this. Jesus says something pretty amazing at the end. It isn't her service that saves. It's her faith. But her service is a result of faith. Simply put, it's this. Serving does not save you. Serving is the response of a transformed heart. You don't serve to be saved. You serve because you are. He didn't move in our lives so that we would be passive, complacent, and lazy. He has called us to action. He has commanded us to serve, to love, to live it out with other people. Serving doesn't save you. Serving is the response of a transformed heart. It's like wind chimes, okay? I want you to think about this. On my mom's front porch, we have at least 75 wind chimes. I don't know. Maybe embellishing a little bit, but it feels like there's 75 wind chimes. You can almost see a view, but the chimes are right in front, and then there's one tree. And, you know, it's this big, like, long front porch in the country at the foot of a holler. Anybody know what a holler is? If so, you're from, all right, (laughs) different holler, but I like it. I like it. Um, My mom lives at the entrance to the holler back home, and these wind chimes, the wind is blowing, and you can hear the sound. And What's amazing is this, is I know that the wind is blowing because the chimes announce its presence. I know the wind is blowing because the chimes announce its presence. You see, the world will see Jesus when they see us serving out of an overflow of our hearts. We have this table here, and we have one in the back, and this is where we're going to participate in communion here in just a moment. And the Lord's Supper is pretty amazing. Do you know why it's pretty amazing? I'm going to tell you. The Lord's Supper is pretty amazing for this reason. Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from the grave so that you and I could have hope, so that we could be free. He did this in the most ultimate display of love and service. You want to talk about what love looks like in action? It looks like one that would lay down their lives for their friends. It looks like one that would lay down their lives for their enemies. It looks like one that would count the cost and still say, I'm I'm doing it because I love you. And he had, we have these crackers and this juice, and the the bread is the representation of Jesus' body that was broken for your sin and for my sin. And the juice is a representation of the blood, which it cost. His blood was poured out so that our sin could be cleansed. We get to take part of this, and we get to think of him, and we get to remind ourselves of how good and how glorious and how amazing and how kind, how generous and how loving this king is that came to serve you and to serve me. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? The servant king that came to die for your sin and for mine, do you know him? Hey, baby girl. (laughs) If you don't know him and you want to, just ask him. 
God, I want to know you. That's it. Just tell him. He'll take care of the rest. If you have questions, I'll be up here. Bobby is the short, bald guy. Find somebody. Just ask them. Say, I want to know more about Jesus. I promise you, somebody will get you hooked up with somebody that can answer some questions. It's that easy. Now, for the Christian, I would ask you this. Does your life, does your life look like Simon's or the woman's? Are you living a life in faithful service? Is your life overflowing in service to others because of the great love that God has put in your heart? He did not call you to do nothing. He called you to serve. He called you to love. And he called you to live. Our lives reflect what we worship. Are you following Jesus, the king that came to serve? You know, the amazing thing with wind chimes is this. This is really cool how wind chimes work. When wind chimes blow, or when wind chimes are hit by the wind, what does that tell you? You hear the sound, you hear all the stuff, it tells you that the wind is blowing, right? The opposite is also true. When the wind chimes, sits silent, there is no wind. What is the world to believe when you and I sit silently? Love serves. 